Hey everybody, my name is Andrew Krause, I'm one of the co-founders here at InventRight, and we are live. So what do we do here at InventRight? We coach inventor inventors to license their products so you don't need to raise funds, you don't need to hire employees, and you get to tap into those massive companies and the massive distribution they have by making your product their product. But it's never really their product. If they don't perform, you can always take it back. That's basically what licensing is, you're renting or leasing your product. So we got questions coming in here. Always takes a while for more people to stream in, but we got a few people here already, got a whole bunch of questions already. So I think we'll just kind of jump in. Um, I put some links in there. If you guys want to check out inventright.com, that's our website. And also check out our buyer's guide. There's a bunch of um, our students, tons of them that have licensed products and you can see their products currently on the market. And if you want to support them, you can buy their products and, and support them. Um, but yeah, we got students licensing stuff all the time. Um, we go from the, the difference between us and others is that, you know, it, coming up with an idea, it's not what people want to hear is maybe like five, 10, 15% of the process at most. Um, and then we teach you to do all the boring stuff, but the stuff that's necessary, but you don't need to start a business. You don't need to hire employees. You don't need to spend ungodly amount of money. But you can do this and you can do it very, very affordably. And our students are doing it all the time. So just take a look at that page when you have some time. Uh, let's jump in. Um, so let me see. I was going to jump here and see at the at the, the topic. Um, I think the topic, I saw it there for a second. And it was basically you need more than an idea, right? I can't see it down here in the stream. Um, you need more than an idea. So that's going to be the theme. Uh, for the entire show. I kind of almost want to look that up. Let me see if I look that up here because I don't want to go with the entire wrong theme. So I'm going to answer your questions like I always do, but um, I'm going to answer them in the context of this theme. That's what we've been doing. So we did other ones where it was like fear, things like that. So let me see, type invent, right? Uh, I need to see what the, why don't you guys type to me what you saw so I can see, because I thought it was you need more than an idea or an idea is not enough. Yeah, ideas aren't enough. That's what I thought. I just wanted to be, look like an idiot where it's the whole thing and it was like the wrong theme. So I'm going to answer your questions and I'll try to like give a little extra something about how ideas aren't enough, um, which is definitely not what you want to hear as an inventor, but it's very important. You need to do all this stuff, but we're here to teach you how to do it. All right. First question is from Jeremy. Looks like people are streaming in. Um, and I'll just go ahead and ask in advance if you guys are liking or just appreciate the fact I'm taking an entire hour to answer your questions uh, live. Please give me a thumbs up. I see um, less than half of the people have given me a thumbs up so far, but we're just getting started. And then don't forget to subscribe down below to the channel and click on that notification button as well. Um, my eyes are a little bit blurry today, but I think it's good enough to read. I may take off, put off, take on, might put on my glasses and put them off. Um, I think I got enough sleep last night. I'm a little spacey, but I will get in a groove here for you guys, okay? All right, Jeremy says, suppose one person is asked to sign an NDA, but when they hear of the idea, they say they are working on that very thing and cannot sign the NDA, okay? Um, also, what comes from hearing the I hearing the idea or signing okay what comes first hearing the idea or signing okay everything i share with you today should not be considered legal advice i'm not an attorney and can't provide legal advice so there's the disclaimer 
right up in front of the show. Please consult your attorney if you're looking for legal advice. But I can give you some practical advice on what our students are doing, what we personally do. Um, so uh, first off, I've never had one of our students that I know of, we've been doing this for 23 years, and we've had students in over 65 countries that's gotten knocked off by a potential licensee that they presented to, okay? Um, have I talked to inventors that have gotten knocked off? Yeah, I've talked to some. I've never happened to one of our students. So why is that? Are our students conducting themselves in a professional way so that small percentage of companies that might consider knocking you off um, don't want to mess with you? Yeah, I think so. So people think, oh, I've got to go get an issued patent. i got to spend $12,000 on a patent. That's going to protect me. No, it's not. No, it's not. I mean, our students, they get a provisional patent. They spend the $60. And then they go fishing. Okay. Now they think, okay, the provisional is my protection then. So, yeah, part of it, but part of it also you're creating a paper trail. And then a big part of it that you guys are even thinking about is conducting yourself professionally is a better form of protection than any patent. Because so let's say, let's say it's a rare sleazy company, and you're talking to Sally, and she's cool, she's the marketing manager, but Bob. He's the CEO. He's a sleazeball. And Sally's like, likes your product. She's like, hey, Bob, like, I like this inventor's product. Like, I think we should do it. Well, oh, I don't know, Sally. Like, why should we pay him? Why don't we try to figure out our way? Well, Bob, Sally might say, yeah, that inventor from a couple months back, that guy didn't know what the hell he was doing. This guy, he's asking smart questions. He's got super professional material. His emails are professional. He's asking me smart questions on the phone and via email. I think we should either license it or we should move on. I think it would be a huge liability. Oh, okay. You know, so I don't know if those conversations have actually happened, but also think about it. Like you have a, a get together with the marketing managers and some managers in the company and the CEO or a marketing manager is like, let's try to figure out how to rip off this little guy. Like, really? Like, I mean, I'm sure there, there are some companies that might have that culture. Um, but to think that that's the norm is just so much BS. It's not. They're more afraid of you than you're afraid of getting their ass suit. Some companies don't receive ideas because they're afraid some inventor will go, I invented that. I sent that to you. And they're like, I've been working on that for, we've been working on that for a year, you know? Um, but let's get back to Jeremy's question. Suppose one person has to sign an NDA, but when they hear of the idea, they say they're working on that very same thing and cannot sign an NDA. So what? So what? You know, you, you've got protection from your date. So I don't know if this is a fictitious scenario, Jeremy. I don't hear that. What I do hear that's more realistic is like they might ask you, like, first of all, most companies won't be timid like that. They're like, send it on over, right? But let's say a company's like, well, I don't know. Tell me what you're working on. Well, I'm working on a, a knitting product, knitting needles that make it easier to... Um, to do your knitting work twice as fast, okay? And they're like, oh, we're working on something similar. Well, you didn't share what the product was. I'm not saying this is the angle you get at. Don't share the product, be cryptic, because that's just a big freaking waste of time. But let's say they, they were kind of timid and they're like, no, tell me generally what area it's in. Well, it's knitting needles that help you reduce your knitting time in half, get twice as much done in half time there. Oh, well, we're working on something in that area. No, I don't think I wanna see it. Like, why would you be paranoid at that point? You just go, okay, no problem. You know? 
Now, do I see that happen frequently? No, very extremely infrequently, but once in a blue moon. Um, if you want 100% assurance that nobody will rip you off, just don't do this. Just get a day job. Don't be an entrepreneur. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to be out there, you, you got to be willing to take some risks. But I just gave you a statistic. The statistic was in 23 years, we've had students in 65 countries. We have personally never had one of our students get knocked off by a company they presented to that I'm aware of in 23 fucking years. Okay. Now, do I talk to inventors? Oh, this person ripped me off. And really, to be honest with you, half the time they're like, they're off. Okay. We don't take inventors that are really off and really whacked out, but they're off. I can tell. And then they're half, like somebody tells me a story. I'm like, oh, that's kind of messed up. So I'm not saying it never happens. But if you watch that, that that movie about the guy with the intermittent windshield wiper and you think that's the norm. I mean, those are big car companies. I mean, what do you expect? Um, but here's the thing. Most inventors don't get ripped off. Most inventors rip themselves off out of their own fears. And they blow tons of money on stuff that they don't need to, to blow. So most inventors will never reach out to 30 companies and three or four people in each company. That's like 120 people. Our students do. That's why they're successful. That's why when you look at the link that I put in there, that inventions for sale page, you see a bunch of our students with products currently on the market today that you could buy right today. Okay. If you never show your product to anybody, you ripped yourself off. That is a thousand times more common than an inventor actually getting ripped off by a company. You have to assume sort of sort of risk. And then there's this false perception that if I get a patent, I'm protected. Hell no. They can figure out a way around it, do whatever. No, that's not, a patent is just a right to sue, right? Well, that's what's great. For 60 bucks, you can get a provisional patent. We give our students the smart IP software. And you can legally say patent pending on the sell sheet. It creates that perception. Now, it's even better than a patent if you ask me a provisional because they can't see it unless you show it to them. You can't see it. When people are like, oh, I'm all proud. I have an issued patent. It's like, okay, you have an issued patent, but they can look at it and they can try to get around the claims. So I'm not saying you need to worry about that now. People worry about stuff they don't need to worry about, but you could also just file another provisional and go patented and patent pending. For another 60 bucks, you could file another provisional and say and patent pending. Keep them guessing. Keep the honest companies, keep those companies honest. Um, but so uh, what comes first, hearing the idea or signing? I can't tell you that. I can't provide you legal advice. But I can tell you, if you ask every company to sign your NDA, your, your your forehead will be bloody and it looks like you're beating your head up against a brick wall. It won't work. Now, if you talk to an attorney, never licensed anything, they'll tell you all day long, oh yeah, every company needs to sign an NDA. Well, I'm like, well, you filed a provisional patent, you put your stake in the sand, that you're protected from that date, you're creating a paper trail. They're afraid of being sued by some little inventor saying they're stealing their idea because they got the deep pockets, not you. That's a lot of forms of protection. But if you could reach out to 30 companies, but because your attorney told you, you need to have every company sign an NDA before you send something in, I, I wouldn't be surprised these days, you'd be lucky to get into maybe six out of 30. But you could have gotten those other 24. But if you insist they sign, here's the crazy, this is the crazy batch of crazy shit. If you expect them to sign your NDA, what are you asking them to do? You're sending them an NDA, you and your attorney wrote, or you got off the internet or whatever. Let's say they get 100 ideas a month. Every NDA is different. 
Now, instead of just showing them your sell sheet, that marketing manager that showed interest, now they got to go walk it over to legal and they got to get approval and legal's, oh, no, 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 this, this. And the marketing person is going to go, screw it. I don't have time for this. I just wanted to spend literally 60 seconds looking at this idea to see if it's right. So if that company is receiving, let's say, 100 ideas a month and every NDA was different, they, they need an attorney to review it. it says, so, see, it doesn't say something in there that says that, that uh, you own their company or you agree to pay them millions of dollars or whatever. So you understand the practicality of this. So when people insist on stuff like this, they're not thinking about it from that marketing manager's perspective that you're showing it to. So again, I'm not providing legal advice. I'm not telling you what to do or not do, but I'm just telling you what's practical, okay? I've, I've spent way too much time on that, but a lot of people uh, have that giant misperception. <laughs> if you ask your patent attorney to guide you to do a licensing deal, you'll never do a freaking licensing deal. They have no idea what the frick they're talking about, and nor should they. That's not what they do, but they'll give you some really terrible advice, um, some of them. Uh, Alex Hoosier, I have two companies that showed interest in my idea. Great. We got a guy that's getting out there. Fantastic. In my idea and prototype, should I let both of them know I am talking to them or should I keep my mouth shut? No. You should move forward with every company as if the other company doesn't exist. Another damn business. If they ask you like, who else you show this to, oh, of course I'm shopping around. That's what I do. I license products, right? It works itself out. We get students to reach out to 30 companies, get interest from five companies. You move forward with everyone, and guess what? Nine times out of 10, four fall off, and maybe you do a deal with one. It's normal. You move forward with everyone as if they're the only one in your world. Now, not saying you're telling them you're not showing it to anybody else. I'm saying that you just move forward with them, and they just kind of naturally fall off. Having Being at a final contract stage with multiple companies is a great problem to have. It rarely works out that way. You can worry about that. So let's say you've been moving forward with two companies for four months, and that's a great problem to have. Do I see that happen often? No, they naturally fall off. It's a big, big mistake. Another big mistake is to think like, oh, I'm because you're so excited that this guy at this company or gal at this company showed interest in your product. Oh, these are my guys. And then you go back, forth, back, forth, let's say two and a half months. And they're like, ah, oh, we said we're not interested because of this. Oh, crap. All right. Well, I should have been reaching out to more companies during that time. But instead, I wasn't. I wasn't doing anything. I was just sitting there all the excitement, just ready to jump to please them or answer their questions or whatever. Um, and so, okay, two and a half months went by. They said no. All right. Now I'm going to call a few more companies. Oh, I got another one interested. Okay. I'm going to, again, make another mistake. Stop calling more companies. And it goes back and forth. Three months. Oh, they aren't interested. You want all those irons in the fire at the same time. So they just kind of fall off. Otherwise, it takes freaking forever. You're just dragging this out. That's not professional. You didn't make any commitment to them. They didn't sign a contract. You didn't sign a contract. Now, I'm not saying there isn't instances where you're going to kind of put a hold on it while you talk to them for a week or two or something. But I'm not saying there's not instances where that's true. But generally, that's a giant freaking mistake. And no professional inventor would ever do that. They're in rare instances, if you really make good relationships with certain companies, you might, you know, you're working on, you know, you, you've got, you've gotten your bearings, you're working on three, four, five projects at once. You might go, you know, I can put that on hold for you while you get back, you know, three or four weeks and you're maybe you're working on another project too. Okay. Okay. There's a place and time for that. 
But for most of you, it doesn't make sense. Don't do it. Keep reaching out to more companies. Okay. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Boy, we got a ton of questions. Um, only about a little bit more than half of you giving me a thumbs up. If you give me a thumbs up, if you appreciate me answering all these questions live for an entire freaking hour, and I'm going to try to get to absolutely everybody here that's typed in a question. Um, if you type it in at the very end, I might not be able to get to it. So please, I'd like to see that number go up um, with a thumbs up. Please give me a thumbs up. It's so easy. Please don't be stingy with the thumbs up, or as I'll just sit here with my arms crossed. No, just kidding. I won't do that. All right. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, who do we have here? Uh, hi, Andrew. Eddie from New Zealand. Great. Welcome. From uh, what are you, a Kiwi in New Zealand? They call you New Zealanders Kiwis, I think. I have recently joined the InventRight community. Oh, great. And just wanted to shout out the amazing uh, contents for product developers and inventors. Thank you so much, Eddie. Welcome, welcome. Um, let me let us know who your coach is, too, if they, we set you up with a coach yet. Maybe we didn't set you up with a coach yet, though. Uh, Zavia says, uh, I read NDAs were state-based. I need to use a work-for-hire NDA. Do I need to find an attorney in my state to obtain one of these? I, I need it soon. Thank you, exclamation mark. So, um, yeah, we were talking about NDAs. We were talking about with regards to potential licensees, companies are trying to license to. With, with, uh, they need, she needs an NDA for work-for-hire. Totally different deal. You need a graphic designer. You need an engineer to do work. They should sign an NDA, damn straight, not only should they sign an NDA, but it really, I would highly recommend, uh, almost insist that it's an NDA with an improvements clause. You're like, Andrew, what's an improvements clause? Well, it basically says, not just that you're gonna keep it confidential, but here's the product and any improvements to this product, let's say it's a doorstop, I own. So if they're like, oh, here's a rendering with a little improvement, I did it like this, it's all yours. So if you get a, uh, an engineer or a graphic designer or somebody, to do to do work for you, have them sign an NDA, not only with that, but with an improvements clause. Um, I've, you know, she asked if it's state-based. You know, I've never had a student of ours sign an NDA with the company or sign an NDA with a graphic designer and an engineer where that person went and took their idea, ever, in 23 years. I've never had that happen. I've never experienced that. I've never heard about that from a student personally. So the, the, this NDA thing is like, you know, but should you all have a, a, a work for hire person sign an NDA, Zavia? Absolutely. You need to get in the weeds with the state thing, no state thing. I don't know if you want to. I personally wouldn't care. I'm, I'm in Nevada. 14 years ago, I lived in California. Would I bother with that? No, there's an NDA. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't care. But that's not advice I'm giving you, not legal advice. Who cares? Um, but make sure it's a good NDA. Um, could there be slight variations for non-disclosure agreements state by state? Possibly. I've been doing this forever and a day. I don't think I've ever heard anybody ask that question. I think I've heard a little bit about it. Uh, maybe your other co-founder, Stephen, has an answer to that. Do I care? No. And why Why am I saying that? I'm not saying I don't care about your question, Savvy. I'm saying, like, in the grand scheme of things, one of the things we do when we're coaching and mentoring our students is we give our students perspective. We make them think like a pro. We go, here's where you need to focus. That would be a complete waste of time to me to focus on that. Is it a bad question? No, it's a great question, but I don't care. So why should you? Um, 
Uh, Terry James says, should I submit to Mattel? I don't know if you want to. Is it, uh, are they a right company for your product? Um, to kind of expand on that, um, when you submit to a company, you need to be respectful of their time. So if you don't look at their freaking product line to see, oh, these are the types of products they sell and does my product fit in, you're wasting their time. You're being an amateur. So to answer um, Terry's question, should I submit to Mattel? I couldn't possibly. It's a great question, Terry, but I couldn't possibly answer that. Now, if I knew your product and then I looked at their product line, I go, yeah, I could see it fitting in there. That's the answer. You need to go look at your product, look at their product line, see if it fits in. So I'm not saying what Mattel does and doesn't do, but maybe they don't do STEM toys, the science, technology, engineering, and math. And But you didn't bother to look at their website. And if you looked at their website and all their products, they don't do a single STEM toy. Well, why are you sending them a STEM toy? Science, technology, engineering, and math. You know, you need to look at a company's product line. And some companies will close their doors because they're tired of inventors not doing this. Did you even look at our product line? This isn't remotely right for us. Now, it can, it can be like, do we like the product or not? But if you're sending a bicycle product to a soccer-oriented sports company, I'm just as a lame example, but you get the idea, you're wasting their time. Sometimes you can make a little bit of a stretch, but, and then also if you haven't looked around, studied the marketplace and the marquee manager can find that exact same product in 30 seconds. I do that with inventors sometimes. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, but I understand why people don't do that. They're afraid of what they're going to find, but you can't like do this with, with blinders on, you know, because the, these marketing managers, they know their market really, really well. You can't pretend they know. Okay, so um, let me see. So the theme was ideas aren't enough. So um, so that that's a great example. You got to study the marketplace. You got to look at a company's product line. So we're going to answer all your questions today. If I could get a few more thumbs up, that would be great. For those of you that didn't give me a thumbs up yet, that would be fantastic. We're at about 75% of the people that are here gave a thumbs up. So I'd appreciate that. And I'm just, again, going to sit here with my arms crossed until I get them. No, okay, I'm kidding again. Um, I'm a third time might be, I might do that actually the third time out. But um, uh, let's see, doo -doo -doo. Eric says, uh, hello, Andrew and fellow students. Well, Eric, I don't know, you're a student. Most people here aren't a student, but it's really kind of flattering. I really appreciate it when InventRight students show up to these, when you have a one-on-one -on -one coach to answer your specific questions for your specific product, it's very flattering. Um, James says, at what point should I get an LLC license? Okay, so an LLC is a limited liability company. It's kind of like a corporation, but a lot simpler. Don't quote me on that. Again, not legal advice. And I can't tell you when to do it, but I can tell you what a lot of our students do. It's just one more thing to do with licensing. You're not hiring employees. You don't have huge costs or anything. You don't got a ton of write-offs or anything. You have to figure out what's right for your tax situation and for your liability situation. But you know, when you're licensing, like you're not selling anything. Nobody's going to go, "Hey, I, I I nicked myself on these eyeglasses and I poked my eye out. I'm going to sue you." Like, is somebody going to slip and fall on your sell sheet? Like, what's your liability? I've never had one of our students sued yet, let alone 
somebody that's just reaching out and somebody's suing them. So your liability is extremely low. So that's one reason to do a limited liability company to have an entity so they're going to sue the company and not you. But another reason is um, for tax write-off purposes and things. So this is what I tell people, and it's not legal or tax advice or anything like that. Um, and please seek services from your tax advisor or legal advisor if you're looking for that. But um, you can just do it in the midst of a deal being closed. So, you know, your name is um, Eric Smith. So Eric Smith designs at Gmail. Okay, that's your email, your phone number rings to your cell phone. Hi, this is Eric Smith, Eric Smith Design. Sorry, I can't pick a phone right now. That's your whole corporate identity. And in your email ad, e email signature, it says Eric Smith, product developer, Eric Smith Designs at Gmail and has your phone number. You're done. You don't need business cards. You don't need any of that stuff unless you go to a trade show, right? Great. Now, let's say you get interest from a company and you're getting close to the deal. And then you're like, oh, I heard from Stephen and Andrew that you should never do a deal under your own name, which is true. So you asked when you should never do a deal under your own name. Have we ever had one of our students get sued or get in trouble with it? No, I've never seen it happen. Could it? Yes. So uh, when you do, you want to do the contract under your LLC, not under your personal name ever. Okay. Now, if you're in another country, nobody's going to go after you in another country. So that's probably not. Well, I'd say nobody, but it's probably a lot less likely. So, but you, but you can just wait until then if you wanted to to file the LLC. Now, there's a great guy. I forget what his name is. He's so cool. He's very much InventRight style, and it's LLCUniversity.com. So, if you go to LLCUniversity.com, he shows you state by state actually how to do it yourself. You can pay people to do it. It's so freaking easy. Like I did it myself in Nevada for my other LLC. Um, you can just go to LLCUniversity.com and you can file the LLC yourself. Now, <clears throat> here in Nevada, was it 300 a month, a year? Sorry, not a month. And then in California, it's like 800. And then some states like $10, $20. It is something to maintain that you have to do every year, which is kind of a pain in the butt, at least in Nevada where I live. So do you need one more thing to do? Are you guys busy? You know, like just do it in the midst of a deal. So if they're like, they're not going to be like, oh, but you've been doing business as um, Eric Smith Designs at Gmail. And now you got this LLC with another name. Like what's going on? Like they don't care. They just want your product. So if you're in the midst of a deal, you're like, hey, I want to do an LLC, the deal and the LLC, they're fine. But you want to do that before you close the deal. Very extensive answer to that. I could have done that about in about a tenth of the time, but what the hell. Um, Terry says, uh, I have prototype game instructions and explana explanation of gameplay. I don't know. Did he write something earlier? Oh, should I submit to Mattel? Um, yeah, whatever. I mean, that's great. I have a prototype game. Okay, good. You have a prototype instructions, explanation of gameplay. That's great. Do you have a marketing piece? If that's what you need. You need a sell sheet. You need a video that's doing the marketing, showing the fun. That's a game, right? Um, so here's the deal, Terry. You're new. I know a lot of people here are new. Do you send to one company? No. You, for most products, most of our students are sending to 20 to 30 companies, three or four people in each company, 100 to 120 people. That's the way you're successful. Now, you know, sometimes you don't have 20 or 30 companies. Sometimes you only have 12. But if you have a project and you can only license to one company and usually nine times out of 10, the inventor's wrong. They're like, oh, but I only have these three companies. I'm like, I'm looking at it. You have 30. 
I could easily see 30. I don't have the list off the top of my head, but I can look at it and tell, all right? So don't work on projects that you only have one company. Go, oh, this is my ideal company, but if I can't license to them, can I license these 10 others? If the answer is yes, it's a great project. The answer is no, it's not a great project. Now, some of you may think you don't have those others, but you totally do. You just don't know how to make your list. You don't know how to think about it. You don't know how to analyze it. So yeah, I would sit to submit to Mattel, Terry, but I'd submit to a whole bunch of other ones too. And usually all at the same time. Because if you're gonna bother to make a PPA, well, you don't need it with the game. You, you're gonna copyright the instructions. Unless it has a physical moving parts, you're not gonna bother to get a PPA. Games are an exception there, guys, where just copyright is actually better protection. It's a lot more clear cut than a provisional but you guys got physical products don't be thinking oh i'll just do a copyright because andrew no it's because he has a board game or a card game okay all right um hi Hassan. uh Hassan says hi derek says always appreciate it it's it gives me a whole bunch of thumbs up how many did i get here three four five six seven eight that's it i only got eight thumbs up come on Antonic. jeez jeez and by the way, I, I wasn't saying doing, maybe you gave me a thumbs up actually in the YouTube interface. That's what I wanted, not a, a icon thumbs up. That doesn't help me, but you probably did that too. So down below the video gives a thumbs up there, which you probably did. Um, John Fry said, hey, Andrew, welcome back. Where am I coming back from? Um, I think it was two weeks ago that Stephen filled in, when, but maybe you didn't come last week. So shame on you, John. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, well, okay, I can't mention what you said. Douglas said, I had my consents stolen from, and then he quoted a, a place. Did you? I don't know. I, and did the product get on the market? I mean, I, I, I don't know. Most of the time when I talk to inventors, like, like I, I this one inventor that I talked to, and he told me his invention was stolen. He says, right there on their website. And I said, well, when did you talk to him? He's like, two weeks ago. I'm like, So, I mean, I'm sorry, I have to say it. Some people are freaking stupid. Like, how could the company develop a product and put it up on their website in two weeks? I mean, if that's not inventor paranoia, I don't know what is. He talked to them two weeks ago, and then he saw it on their website sometime after he talked to him. He probably was probably up there even before. And now he's saying they stole his idea. I mean, come on. You know, but that's not always, you know, hey, I've talked to inventors where that's legit. That's like, and I've talked to inventors that acted unprofessionally and then they got ripped off. I'm like, well, you acted unprofessionally, but that doesn't give them the right to do that. But to say that's normal or to think that that's normal and to think that you're going to get ripped off all the time is not true. It's not true. They're afraid of you. And if you really did so significantly, you know, really, really did rip you off and they're selling money like, well, okay, go after them. But if they ripped it off and they're making money and they're not making money, what is there to go after, right? Um, okay, so Alex said, I'm inventing a home workout device. The people I'm pitching to assume, assume want to try out my invention. Should I send them my prototype with an NDA? Um, okay, so this is one of those, a huge percentage of the time, guys, our students just have a virtual prototype and a marketing piece. And it's just obvious how this thing's gonna be done. But if you have a home workout device, do you need to have some sort of prototype? Yeah, you do. 
Now, it could be a prototype that kind of falls apart, but you can make a video and show it working and show the benefit. But if they used it, it would kind of fall apart or not work right. That, that might be okay, okay? And you could let them know that because what they're really buying is the benefit of the product. So, um, so you want to sell the marketing, get them excited, and you can tell them at, at some point, look, I have a crude prototype. I can send it to you. It'll probably fall apart, but look at it. Look, you can do this. Are you interested? Maybe, and then you turn it. I can't tell you how many times we turn it from the company asking our student for a prototype. They don't have one. And we turn it right back around on them. And we ask them some questions on what their concerns are. And they get enough information to go get some quotes overseas to make sure it can be made, made at a reasonable price. Like, oh no, the hinge would be like this. And they're like, oh, okay. And they get some quotes and go, oh yeah, we can get this made at a reasonable price. Now, if it's an exercise device, can I understand somebody wanting to work with it, you know, and, and use it to feel it? Or yes, but could you relay that on a video? And they're like, we get it. It's that movement. You can't make a beautiful prototype. I get it. I think that's going to work. It really depends. So this, this perception that when a company asks for a prototype that you have to have one, that you have to have one before you reach out it's just utter bs you know but it does it depends on a case by case i have people i'm like uh yeah you're gonna need a prototype for that but then the vast majority of them i'm like you don't need that why do you need that <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna spend god knows how much money so sometimes you can fake it sometimes you need it a lot of times you don't um but and a lot of times you can give them information so they're satisfied so you didn't need to okay Sometimes you get them to make it. We get all the time. We get the student to work with the company and they make a prototype. It really, really varies quite a bit. Uh, internet, uh, internet, I guess. I presented a toy idea to a small toy company, but they offered me the lowest DTR distribution, DTR, DTR and distribution sales royalties and no advance because I didn't have a prototype sometimes they're just giving you BS answers. I mean, do they want the product? Is it a great product? You know, I mean, to say that you got a lower prototype, a lower, sorry, a lower royalty because of that, I think that's bullshit a lot of the time. Sometimes it can be true. Oh, we have to do all this work. What if you came to me with something completely done? We And sometimes, like, I do believe that's true sometimes, but other times I think it's just an excuse to give you a lower royalty. And, and you go, no, nope. and you could just hold, go, no, I think this royalty's fair. You know, you didn't have the idea. You don't say it this way. You didn't have the idea. I came to you with it. I think it's fair. I realize you need to do some work, but I still think this royalty's fair. Um, you wrote, however, I didn't send it, the idea to Chinese factories to avoid spreading it. Yeah, you don't want to do that. What advice would you give me for the next pitch? Um, well, okay, did you close the deal? It says they offered you a lower and no advance. Well, you know, a lot of times you're not getting advance. That's that's really common. As long as they launch it quickly and you're getting royalties, I'm not really that concerned about that. Um, they offer me the lowest. I don't know what that is. It's low. If, if you're like, hey, is this percentage? I'd be like, sounds good to me. You know, I don't know. Um, also, you know, it's not just about the royalty rate. It's the price of the product. It's a 99 cent product. It's a $900 product. And what volume are they selling? Like if they're getting you a kick-ass royalty rate, but they're only going to sell 5,000 units a year, I'm not excited. They're offering you a low royalty rate, but they're going to sell 2 million units a year. Hell yeah. You know, it, it, people don't get this in perspective. So for those of you that are new, hopefully that helps. Um, oh, this one's great. 
Eric Smith said, I have inventor's anxiety. Yeah, a lot of people do. I worry that my great idea has already been thought of, which is kind of silly on my part. You know, it's very legit. You know, you worry that, um, anyway, just before I answer his question, if more of you can give me your thumbs up. I don't have thumbs up from everybody if you could do that because I'm going to answer all your questions, guys, here. And um, so please, please do that. Um, there's like a delay. So when I ask that, I'm not going to sit and wait for the delay. Um, people will come up with ideas and they're literally afraid to do their proper market research because they're afraid of what they're going to find. You have to get over that. And as a result, people will do half-ass research. Oh, well, that sucks and that sucks. My better is that. Or like if your thought process is, I'm just going to prove nothing like my invention exists, you're missing out on so much. You need to go, okay, I got this new kitchen cutting board and there's five over here that do this and three that do this and the prices range from here to here. And you're making all these observations. But if your whole focus is, I'm going to prove that nobody has my exact idea, you're going to you're gonna spend all that time doing that research and you're going to skim over it. Wrong. So, um, but I think a lot of inventors, Eric, have that anxiety and it's a big problem and it's making you a half-ass inventor. If you're properly doing your research, you're 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 doing it right. So here's the so I'm going to say some things to make you feel better now. If you find the exact same thing, that's not a time to give up. You've been thinking about this thing for months or years or however long, right? So then you go, okay, well I'm going to study all the other products, and you go, okay, exact same thing came out, but I've got improvement, and I'll just change it up like this. And you go, well, good, I'm glad he's selling that. It's selling well, and I'm going to come up with a variation. Don't have this artist mentality. Oh, somebody did the exact same painting as me, so I can't do a slightly different painting. You've been thinking about this product forever. So if you found the exact, which is not normally the case at all, you found the exact same thing, just change it up a little bit and then work on that and get over the fact that somebody else did come up with the exact same thing you found in the marketplace. Um, a lot of times people go, oh, like there's this attitude, like it needs to be so special and so different and people don't want to acknowledge, well, you know, this other product has 75% of the features, but you have this point of difference. They don't want to acknowledge that. Oh, I'm so different. I'm so special. No, you know, the fact that there's five products over here and they're somewhat the same and they have some of the same features, but you got a little, that's great. Cause it's like people want these features. All there wouldn't be five companies selling it. If people weren't buying that, and then you've got this little extra something. So when potential licensees look at your product, they're like, oh, I see all these other products that are out there, but you're giving us a point of difference. That's a good thing that there's a bunch of stuff that's somewhat similar. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. So hopefully that gives you some, some, um, you know, and here's another way to deal with it, Eric. The sooner you do your research, when you come up with an idea, the less anxiety will you have and the quicker you'll adjust. So when you come up with an idea, instead of falling in love with it and dreaming about it and thinking about it and then not doing research for months or a year or six months, no, like the second you have the idea or within a couple days, before it becomes cemented in your mind, when your mind is still pliable, see everything that's out there and you'll make those adjustments earlier and then you'll never feel like you invented something that already existed because you'll see the products and then you'll make an adjustments. And if you, yeah. So the sooner you can do that, the less anxiety you'll have. Um, so thank you, Eric. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Will Willetta 
says my cat designer said they won't sign an NDA that that has a perpetual time frame. Is this correct? You know, I, I would be okay with five years, Willetta, just personally. I'd be okay with five years. Um, but I, I think any engineer or designer should sign your NDA. Um, if you want to make it five years, that's fine. How could that hurt you? Um, you don't need them to keep it confidential at that point. You either license it or not. It, you didn't, and it's on the market. But if you're not okay with that, don't work with them. So what she's saying is, the time frame is forever and he doesn't like that or she doesn't like that the engineer the designer so um here's what i would do i'd go back and go okay how about five years and in that i own so there's a difference between i own this and any improvements and they can't disclose it because maybe they'll come up with something similar and they start talking about it. Or let's say they work with a client because these designers, they're not inventors, they're designers, right? So they don't know how to monetize a product probably. So it, would I, do I think in a million years that would be a problem? Would I hesitate to go, okay, no problem, five years. I do that in a heartbeat. Am I telling you to do that? No. Um, but you say, well, that I have ownership of it, but, Yes, I will. I will put a five-year time limit on the disclosure, maybe, or something like that. So again, none of this is legal advice. Consult your attorney for legal advice. Just some random thoughts. Um, Eka said, Eka 106 is their handle. Hi, Andrew. Totally understand that market research is extremely important to find the success of an idea. Yes, it's everything. It's our step number one in our system, and inventors don't want to do it, and uh, they suck at it and they need to learn it and our students rock at it another reason why when you go to our site and you go to that inventions for sale page why you see our students with licensed products because they got over it and they learned to do a good job with it but what is considered considered enough before submitting an idea to manufacturers so i'll give you an idea so you need to become an expert in the micro category of your invention i'll tell you what that means so let's say you've got a barbecue spatula you don't need to research every barbecue product in the market. That would be overwhelming, right? There's a lot of barbecue products. And I've been using sample forever. I don't know why, I gotta get a new one. But if, but you can, you can't research every barbecue. It'd be too time consuming. You could research every freaking barbecue spatula on the market within about four hours. You could, you could be an expert. You could talk to somebody that works at a freaking barbecue store because they know what they sell. And if you study that micro category, if it's small enough to study in four hours, you would know more than them. And you don't, you haven't been working at a barbecue store for 10 years. You could be working at a barbecue store for 10 years, but they just sell, they know mostly what they sell and a few other things. You're going to go beyond that. You're going to know everything that's out there. So to answer your question, you need to be an expert in that micro category. But if you said all barbecue products, too overwhelming narrow it down, just barbecue spatulas, you could do that. So always narrow it out, micro category, then you did enough research. Um, let's see, uh, Brooklyn uh, says, I got my patent issued this year. What would you recommend for my next step towards licensing? Okay, well, what I would recommend is don't file a patent next time, but you already have have one so you got to work with that okay next time file a provisional you can do it yourself for 60 bucks you can use our smart ip software to do it 
gives you a whole year to go fishing if you need to make an adjustment. Because right now, Brooklyn, what you did yourself is you spent a ton of money on a patent. If you need to make a change, you're screwed. Now, you're not screwed. You could just file a provisional. That's fine. Okay. On the improvement. But then you're going to need to file another patent. So next time, utilize the year the patent office gives you. If you reach out like the week after you file a provisional, you got a whole year. You never need a year to get interest. But you've already filed a patent. That's fine. We have tons of students that come on board with us and they'll file the patent and go, great. That's an asset. If you license it, that's great. But if you don't, it was a huge financial liability. If every time you come up with an idea, you file a patent, you're not going to be doing this very long because you're not going to license every single product you work on. Nobody does. No matter how great of an inventor you are. And if you need to make a change, you need to file another patent. Okay. So what would you recommend from a next step towards licensing? Let's get to your core thing because you already filed a patent. You get tons of people that have. Is step number one. You need to study the marketplace. Now, the problem is when people file patents, I think that's the first step. You think you getting that patent is not a verification of your idea. It doesn't mean it makes sense. Doesn't mean it's marketable. Doesn't mean it's manufacturable or manufacturable reasonable price. Or doesn't mean people want it just because you got a patent. And the people have this disconnect. Oh, I got a patent. So therefore, this product's a good idea. No, it just means you're paying for your patent attorney's kids' college education. You file the patent. Patent office accepted it saying, look, there's no conflicting prior art. We'll give you this patent. But doesn't mean the product makes sense. So you got to, but it probably does. I mean, if you believed in that much, hopefully. Um, you need to study all the other products in that space. You can't go, well, I got a patent, so I don't need to do that. No, bullshit. You still need to study all the other products in the space of your invention. And then you need to figure out what the good marketing is. You need to go do a mar good marketing piece. You probably need a virtual prototype. We can do that for you. And then you need your list of companies. And you need to reach out LinkedIn via email and phone. And you need 20 to 30 potential licensees, three or, three three or four people in each company. We show you how to do all that. So that's just a very quick, that, you know, random spew. Um, keep watching our show. We'll give you the steps. Buy our book, One Simple Idea. We'll go over our 10 steps. And then if you want more, you can do our coaching. So I'm not beating you up because you got a patent. I'm saying, that's fine. Don't do it again. And, you know, does that have, is that a benefit? Is you say, hey, I've got it. But definitely don't file a patent and wait for it to issue. Thinking like, oh, now I can license. You could have licensed when you filed a $60 provisional and it was still pending. You know, so. But people, God, that's the biggest mistake everybody makes. Now, if you license this thing, it was no big deal. You spent all that money. You did a licensing deal. Everything worked out. But you're taking a financial risk you didn't, you didn't need to. You don't need to in the future. You already did. We'll just move forward with where you are. Um, Jeremy says, I've gone through a similar situation where I was in talks with a company who makes toys for Fortnite, I showed them my sell sheet and their response was they've already worked on the similar. Yeah, okay. It's part of being an inventor. No big deal. Um, but that freaks people out, you know. Um, Douglas is mentioning an invention promotion company I can't talk about in other companies, of course. Now I lost my place because I paged up too quick. But let's do a quick, wow, got so many questions here. Let's do a, a blitz where I just am very, very quick. Oh, Courtney. Yeah, I'll pay you later, Courtney. Courtney's in here. Andrew knows what he's talking about, exclamation mark. She's one of our coaches. So, yeah, Courtney. Okay, I'll give you your 20 bucks later. Um, Eric Smith said, totally agree, Douglas. I don't know. My mind's fried here, so I don't remember what Douglas said. Um, 
Scrappy said, um, 12K in depth, officially no job, and A plus and security plus certified can't drive due to disability. Are, are any of you have the autism spectrum? Okay, you got a lot going on there, Scrappy. Um, uh, okay. All right, you're 12K in debt. Okay, people are in debt. Um, no job, that's not good. Uh, your security, you got on disability. You got a lot of stuff going on there. So um, when people are dead broke, I don't know if that's you, Scrappy. It sounds like that's what you're saying. You should not be doing licensing. I always say, when you're dead broke, don't go, I'm going to do licensing. It's going to get me out of all my problems. Like when you license a product, it's usually over a year before you see royalties. It takes them a while to put in production. It's got to be in there quarterly. This is not a get rich quick scheme. Can you make a lot of money with licensing? Yeah, but it's not overnight. So when people say they're on disability and they got this and this and this and this going on, they don't have two pennies rubbed together. I go, you need to get a freaking job or you're on disability. Maybe scrappy, that's not possible for you, but you need to figure out how to get some monthly income coming in. Don't like go, I'm going to do this get rich quick scheme because that's not licensing. Okay. You can make a lot of money with licensing, but it's not quick. Okay. Um, so I was, but you know, if you're like, Hey, I've got, you're on disability. I've got this amount of money coming in. I'm okay there for one year. And I just want to work on licensing my products and I'll spend 10 hours a week doing that or three hours or whatever it is. That's perfectly fine. Um, the autism or being on the spectrum thing. I think half of our students are at least a little bit, um, ADD, ADHD, autism, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Now, if you have extreme, that's obviously very different. But creative people, that comes along with the creative territory, with some inventors, not with others. That's okay. Embrace it. Be who you are. Um, but don't look at licensing as going to get out of all your problems right away. You know, or there's people that sell get rich quick courses and stuff. We don't do any of that crap. We never did that. Never will. Um, let's see. Scrappy also said, came across chat GBT. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And learned can help with affiliate marketing and sales. Okay, I, I don't like affiliate marketing. Um, uh, well, I, I don't know if you mean network marketing. Anyway, we'll move on. Uh, Margie said, hi, Andrew. Uh, you said not to submit to DRTV through their portals, but should we reach out to their marketers through LinkedIn? Or do you think we should stay away from DRTV completely? No, I... I didn't say that, Steven did, our other co-founder. He doesn't like portals for any company. I think reaching through a portal is fine um, for DRTV. I don't think it'll get you anywhere. And what Steven, which he's right, we've had a few DRTV companies go, we never licensed through their portals, what they said, but we've licensed a bunch of products. So I, you can send through the portal, but I'd also try to send through um, to those individual people at those companies. Go on LinkedIn, find them on there, submit through there. That's what I would do. Um, and that's what Stephen would advise you to do too. Show that you're a pro. Don't go through the amateur portal. If you did both, I don't think it would hurt you. Um, Stephen would say, no, don't even bother with the portal. Just go direct to LinkedIn. I think he's probably right. Douglas says, trade secrets are better protected than patents, in my opinion. Uh, that would be too long of a conversation to get into, Douglas. Here, I could go on and on about trade secrets and I want to do Maybe I'll come back to that, but I want to kind of try to get to everybody here. Um, Willetta said, in an NDA, what does agree to remain anonymous? 
I don't think you mean anonymous. In an NDA, I think she's, what are you agreeing to keep confidential? Well, your idea. They're not going to disclose your idea, right? Um, uh, Veronica said, hi, I joined the $29 a month student program. Can you explain a bit about BTG? That's cool, Veronica. Um, bridging the gap is something we do for our premium students where we have two companies come on a month, sometimes three. And they say, it's usually a CEO or a marketing manager. And they say, here's a little bit about our company. Here's what we're looking for. And here's our product line. It's really great. And it's not just about the fact that we're giving you the direct contact information for these bridging the gap companies we bring on. It's like, let's say you got a company that comes on um, and they're working on, um, they're doing construction products, but you're doing stuff for the kitchen. Well, if you can see a CEO or a marketing manager talk about their product line, how they like to work with inventors, what what they're looking for, you're you're seeing them on Zoom, right? And we we do it live, and then our students can also watch the recording. And you're like, oh, I'm starting to think about this, not just from my perspective, but a company's perspective. So it's not just about, oh, I don't have a construction product. Like I would say attend a bunch of them because you're gonna be like, oh, I'm starting to understand it from the marketing manager's perspective now. That's what I love about bridging the gap. And we get we get some students to get, I wouldn't say distracted, I guess I'm saying it, but like they're working on a kitchen gadget, but this guy comes on, he's like, well, we're needing this in construction and inventors, being an inventor is like very creative. It's like, oh, I got an idea for him, so I'm gonna submit. So that's what's really cool. We've had about 36, 38, I think, bridging the gap companies on. So you can go back, watch the replays, we give you their direct contact information. That's just like a bonus. When we mentor and coach our students, we're guiding the student, the coach is guiding the student to make their ideal list for their particular product. We're empowering you with that skill. So you, you never need somebody to give you a stupid list. You know how to do it. It's a skill, okay? There's skills that you need beyond coming up with an idea. That's what we specialize in. And when inventors realize that, that's when you go to InventRight and you look on ideas for sale. Those are students that have licensed products that are actually currently on the market. That's just some of them. and they realized that and they did the work. That's where you guys need to be. Um, uh, <laughs> Skull Drazer said, if you cross your arms for the rest of the stream, then I'll give a thumbs up. Really? Are you one of the, like right now we have more thumbs up than we have actually people attending because I think some people came and left. So that was pretty cool. So well, I don't need you anymore, Skull. Um, I'm just kidding, man. Um, Eric, thanks for the thumbs up. Uh, Zavi said, thank you. You're welcome. Um, Terry said, thanks. I should have said it's a card game like others they carry. That's great, Terry. Card games are great. It's just copyright the rules and you're good to go. You don't need a PPA. And that's not legal advice. It's just true. Um, uh, uh, Skull says, uh, does InventRight have coaches who help with highly technical inventions that would be submitted to integrated circuit manufacturers? So. We've helped students in everything from dog toys to medical devices to save lives. When it's a highly technical product, can a coach help direct you to figure out who the companies are and what the marketing needs to be and all that? Absolutely. We can figure out everything to do with licensing. Are coaches engineers? Eh, we've had a few that are. So we can work on a highly technical product and help you put it into the right context so you can license the product, but the coach isn't gonna be advising you in highly technical areas that they don't have experience in. They're your licensing expert. 
They're not your integrated circuit board designer. You know what I mean? So yes, we can help you with highly technical products. We've had, if you look at that uh, idea, inventions for sale page on inventright.com, you won't see, we've had students license industrial commercial products. There's no link to Amazon to buy that. Those products aren't up there. We had a student license a, a CPAP device for breathing at night. I, I didn't know what a CPAP machine was a long time ago because I don't really have, well, my daughter has asthma, but she doesn't need a CPAP machine or whatever. But um, is that up there on our ideas for sale page? No, because it's not a consumer product, but that was a very big deal. Um, I, I don't like throwing out dollar figures, but it was a huge deal. Um, so yeah, we can definitely help you with that, but we're helping you with the licensing portion of it. And uh, uh, Andrew, did you say send our, this is Bev, uh, say send our sell sheets to three to four companies in the same, three to four companies in the same company. I think you meant people in the same company. Um, first of all, you don't send a sell sheet without getting permission. So you're going to reach out to three or four people to ask permission to send a sell sheet. And really, to be honest with you, almost never are you going to get four people. Yeah, send me your sell sheet. It's like basically once the first one says, yeah, send it to me. They're your superman or superwoman. They're your person now. Now you send it to them. So if the other people get back to you, go, oh, no, Sally got to me. I sent her the sell sheet. You want me to send it to you too? So no, you don't send sell sheets to four people in the same company because usually almost never, all of them will get back to you. You only need one to get back to you. And if one ever gets back to you like a week later, you go, well, I sent it to Sally. Do you want me to send it to you too? She's taking a look at it. Oh no, she's got it. That's fine. Oh yeah, I'll look at it. Does that make sense? Um, Sana says, how long left? Question mark. I don't know. How long do we have? I'm going to uh, answer a few more questions here. We, we're at time right now, but I'm going to go ahead and answer some more questions because you guys are great questions. Um, there wasn't, wasn't a bad question all day long, as you do is the great hour long all day. Um, uh, hit the like button. It's very generous. And Andrew comes to answer our questions. Yes, thank you. That's the way I see it, but I'm biased. Um, let's see. Hey, uh, Bev said was saying, hey, Courtney. Yeah, I'm, I'm honored that Courtney would show up. Uh, are, you know, People ask about money because um, Sonia said, are you a millionaire? You can make millions with licensing, but not every product is going to like it, this. This It's like an American disease. So everybody thinks like, I'm going to make a million dollars a year. Like these get rich quick programs, I'm not talking about inventors and stuff, just get rich quick on this or that on the internet, right? Real estate, whatever. And it was this impression like it's overnight with no effort and become a millionaire overnight. So I'll give you an example. So let's let's say you license a product and it's it's selling pretty well and you're making $200,000 a year in royalty, selling really well. Because when you license to a really big company, you can think big because they're big and for them to sell a huge volume. So let's say you're making 200,000 a year in royalties. Is that a million dollars in a year? No, but, and it sells for five years. That's, I had to actually do the numbers. I can't believe I had to do that. That's a million dollars, right? Or you license another product. It's making $50,000 a year in royalties a year, okay? And it sells for 10 years. That's a half a million dollars, right? Over 10 years. So most people don't become millionaires with 
one product. You license the product, it's making you money, maybe a little, maybe in the medium, maybe a lot, maybe crazy money. It depends on the invention. But the whole thing is, you're dumping this onto a company. It's their money, it's their work. You filed a $60 provisional, you made a sell sheet, you got it out there. But this whole like, I'm gonna make millions of dollars on every idea I come up with, it's just utter bullshit. You know, and you're not going to get that from us. I don't, I, normally I don't swear, guys. Today I'm in a swearing mood. I promise next next week I won't swear anymore. But it's just crap. Since I'm in a swearing mood, I just said crap. Um, but are there products that, yeah, you're going to make multi-millions if it's licensed? Or you got other products that make less, but it's going to be a little easier to license? Yeah, or or the opposite. Sometimes the products that are just as easy to license make could make, you could, there's some products when I see two, I'm like, we'll work on that one. It, that has multi-million dollar potential. This one's going to be just as hard, but eh, I don't really see you make more than 50K, 50K a year in royalties on that. But so what? Like, let's say it only sells for three years. It makes you 50K a year in royalties. $150,000, you need to do any work. You just file a provisional patent. What's better than that? That's amazing. But the whole make millions thing just really irritates me. If you want to make millions, is it okay to pick projects only that could have that potential absolutely there's nothing i'm not being critical of that at all but it, it's it's a total cliche but if you do what you love the money will come and that's what i've seen with our students you do what you love the money will come when i see inventors that are which is very rare by the way are just driven by money doesn't work doesn't work when i see inventors that are excited about their inventions they want to see people enjoy them see them in the marketplace and they want to make money that's the killer combo Okay, so thank you, Sonia, for asking that question. Um, uh, Brian said, I have a concept that combines two different manufacturing processes. Is the product idea a possible license if it can prove the implementation is possible? Yes, absolutely. Sell the benefit. Do a marketing piece. Sell the benefit. You're not selling a prototype. You're not selling a patent. Now, don't be the inventor that has like, well, I got a car that can run off a liter of gas and it can run for a year. Okay, well, prove it. You know, there's certain inventions that elicit that response. Most don't. Most you can sell the benefit. And then if there's things that need to be worked out, maybe through discussions, you convince them it's enough and you get them to do the work. Or at the very least, they're like, well, no, no, we want you to do the work, but we're still interested. Oh, yeah. But there, I've never had a, a company go, oh, you a-hole. You know, you teasing me, you don't have a beautiful working prototype of this. Ah, and they get all pissed. Like, I just don't see that happening, guys. I, that's what I think a lot of people are worried about. And then they don't get it out there. You don't need a prototype and you don't need a patent. You can have a provisional patent application for 60 bucks. And you can have, um, you can have a virtual prototype. But again, it depends on the product. But most of the time, that's true. So as I always say, when I give these answers, am I saying the answer ap applies 100% of the time to every inventor? No, of course not. But and occasionally it's kind of funny. I've shared this before. We'll have somebody who's been following us on like these Q&A or YouTube show, and they'll become a student. They have a coach. And this is very rare, but I've seen it occasionally. It's kind of fun. And they're like, arguing with the coach oh no but andrew said this on youtube so but andrew doesn't know your product i'm telling you that's true most of the time but it's not true here and occasionally and the, and the student will be like oh okay and then occasionally some students are like no no i need to talk to him and the coach is like okay and i talk to him like your coach is right 
is does apply most of the time but i've seen your product your coach is spot on it doesn't apply to your product do it like this you know but sometimes people have been watching us so much oh but i heard andrew say so we give the answers and a good you know since we're going to wrap things up and answer a few more questions realize i'm not saying these rules apply 100 percent of the time now a lot of times inventors think it's they're always the exception and i'm like no that's not that's not an exception oh but this is the exception right i'm like no you know but sometimes it is um uh alicia thanks got it done thumbs up um let's see what else we got here oh my god how many more questions do we have Richard said, if your LLC is $800 a month, not a month, Richard, it's $800 a year in California, $300 why I am. I think some states is $10 a year. But like I said, you can file the LLC when you do your deal. So now you have money coming in. Um, so no, yeah, I think you were probably here earlier. I mean, that was from before. Um, where are the best market research tools or sites? I have sports equipment inventions, softball market, Google images. Google Images, not regular Google, Google Images. We're all very creative. Google Images is a great place to get that visual stimulation, look at all those products, people lay in the landscape. Some of the things will click through to a website where they sell the product or a blog or somewhere else. Amazon's good for consumer products as well, but Google Images is killer. It really is. Um, and, I, and I'll get this too, guys. People are like, well, I heard you say Google Images, Andrew, and I'll talk to them. These are people that are our students and, and are not our students. And um, they'll tell me what it is, and I'll like type it in, and I'm like, oh, what's this? And I find something in 30 seconds. So, what keywords did you use? And I'm like, uh, like the thing that came to my head immediately, and I find it. And they're like, so just because I tell you that tool, Google Images, I tell you, some of you really suck at figuring that out, and you, you don't do enough work at it. Maybe you're having inventor anxiety and you don't want to find it. So you search this and then you reword it. And I know I've been doing this for a long time. And then you reword it and nothing. Just really kind of dig down deep, do a lot of different word combinations. And sometimes when you do a search, you don't find a lot, but you find some, oh, this is what they call this type of product. Oh, I didn't know that. And then you do a search on that. So you keep doing it. So um, Google Images is a great tool there. Uh, okay. Sonia said, how, how can companies even make profits on items they produce internally and ship over to you? Doesn't that totally destroy margins? Wouldn't it be better to go with a local supplier for your products? I have no idea what you mean, Sonia. Um, so these are very large companies you license to. Maybe they are in Target and Home Depot and Lowe's or wherever else, or Walmart. And then they're also on Amazon. They're here and there. And they have distribution in 30,000 stores. Like when you license to them, you're going to get a royalty on every unit. So um, I don't know what, I don't understand your question. Sorry about that. Uh, Mark says, this is the first time I'm pursuing one of my ideas. Um, if I license something, am I able to sell it myself as well? I'm assuming the contract will dictate that. So I get inventors all the time that say that. And then once they get in the deal, they're like, I don't want to do that anymore, Andrew. Here's my advice. I talked to somebody else the other day about this. I said, definitely, definitely. You get interest from a company. Don't make that the first thing you say. Never, never. Because now they're like, oh, this guy thinks this is his baby. He doesn't want to let it go. Now, if you do many talks, negotiations, emails, you're deep in the negotiation. You're like, hey, you know, when I license this to you, can you sell some to me? And I can sell these channels that don't step on your toes and do this or that. Yeah, you could do that. But God, don't mention it early on. 
because they'll just get a sense. It just muddies the water. You want to be very clear. I'm going to license this to you. It's your product. If you're not successful, I can always take it back. So I didn't sell it to you. I rented it to you. And um, you're going to put it in all these channels. So, you know, I think when inventors want that, I kind of wonder, they need to be willing to let it go, you know, a little bit. So, all right. Uh, but it's perfectly fine. I've had students that have done that, actually. So um, Mark said, how do you do a $60 provisional patent? You get our software, the Smart IP software, and then the patent office fee to file. You don't have to do that. You could just, well, if you don't know how to write a provisional, you need some help. And then our, our Smart IP software is on inventright.com. We'll show you how to write a provisional. And then the patent office fee you file at the patent office, which is uspto.gov. And it's $60. It was actually 75 and they dropped it down. What's going down in prices these days? Isn't that cool? Um, Matt said, what do you guys mean portal? Do you mean submitting through the company's website? Yes. If they have submission page, if so, do they have those pages? If not, what's the best way to submit? They don't take it seriously in most of the cases. So you want to go directly using the techniques we teach on LinkedIn, via email, and phone. And so many companies have said, yeah, we have a portal. We never licensed anything through that, but we've licensed a bunch of stuff. So a portal, we're just referring to that page on the company's website. I don't like that word portal either. Um, I always clarify that. Thanks for, for mentioning that, Matt. Um, uh, Nuva, so I have a mining equipment innovation, but the product use would be mainly in Australia, India, South Africa. Would a provisional be sufficient? Yeah, U U.S. provisional actually is part of the PCT. So anybody, any other country that's part of the PCT, it's going to, in a roundabout way, preserve your foreign filing rights. So it'd be a good way fish off the pier, see what the interest is, and then later get them to pay for the patent and then reference the provisional. When I say them to pay for the patent, they give you the money and you file it. So yeah, that would be useful. I can't know of time to get in all the details of provisionals, but that would be a cost-effective way of licensing that new mining equipment. Uh, Ada said, if I was work with, with uh, a company and the company picks up the invention, do you get a percentage of the earnings? No, we take no percentage whatsoever of what are our students license. Uh, out of the box says their handle. How do you find someone to do a drawing? Hold on, sorry, I paged up too fast there. How do you find a box, someone to do a drawing for a mold that's not that expensive? Why do you need a mold? You, you don't need to do that. You're gonna sell the benefit of your product and the product itself and you're gonna license that you don't need a mold when you're licensing to a large company. They're going to handle the manufacturing. Okay. Um, Jay, wonderful. So incredible, knowledgeable advice with a little icon like this. Thank you. Um, let's do some ones from people that I haven't. Brian said, thank you for the clarification. Uh, Jay Brown said, I meant marketing statistics, not just images. I don't know if I saw a question from you, Jay Brown. Market research tools. I have sports equipment. Oh, okay. He's talking about what are the best marketing research tools for statistics. You don't need statistics. Don't quote marketing managers' statistics. They know their statistics. You don't need them. If if you see a product and you're like, oh, great, it could be in with this company and they're here, here, and here, and you could just look and go, I can see the potential in it. And if I license to a big company, I'm good. You don't need to know how many of these widgets are sold a year. I could give a crap. Now, I have some people that are really anal retentive and they like doing that sort of thing. I don't think it's necessary. You can just look at the marketplace and tell, okay? And you should not be quoting those statistics back to marketing managers. They know that stuff. Don't be doing that. 
Um, so Amanda, yeah, I have strong opinions, don't I? Amanda, how much time typically goes between a company saying that they're interested in actually negotiating a contract? We sign up for six months. Our time could run out while we're waiting. No, we have a policy that if you get a contract um, during that six months, we'll help you indefinitely with that one company for that one deal. Now, we're not going to like help you a year later with a new company that shows interest. But if you get a contract during that six months, we'll help you indefinitely with that one company or that one deal. And we won't ask you to renew even. Um, that's a really cool policy. We don't publicize that because we don't want people to misinterpret it. Um, so it's not that you have interest, it's that you have a contract. So, and then people can renew with our membership at a highly reduced rate on a monthly basis. So you're fine. Um, yeah, so Paul, Paul, our negotiation coach can still help. Um, uh, Shooting Star said, hey, Andrew, can I send you my product sell sheet for review? But I haven't filed a PPA till right now. Um, you know, to show it to me, I'll sign an NDA. I don't care. Um, if you're interested in getting coaching, I'd be happy to talk to you about your product and explain how our coaching works. Yes. And you could just send an email to andrew at inventright.com, andrew at inventright.com. Just say you want to book a call with me. That'd be fine. Um, uh, Rick said, can you get a trademark when you're an inventor? Yes, you can. Most of the time it's not worth it. Just Put a little TM with a circle around, which is a common law trademark, which is free. Literally, all you have to do is put this little circle with a TM next to your product name to go out and spend all the money on it. If you're interested, nine times out of ten, they will um, Joe, you're welcome. You said thank you for your time and advice. Um, Amanda, I, I don't think they had questions. I think it's great. Um, Andrew is never going to get to mine. Well, Amanda, I... I didn't see yours. Let me see. Oh, could, no, I did get to yours there. Okay. You guys had great questions. Um, uh, Sonia said, I thought of an ad that incorporates an idea from a story character. No, I, I don't think, Sonia, that doesn't seem like a product. Yeah. Uh, Sonia, you're welcome to book with me. You can drop me an email at Andrew at InventRight, and you can, get, you can book a call with me as well. And you guys can also go to um, InventRight.com, click on Contact Us, and book a call with us. Also, that that will be with Dana or Sylvia. If you drop me an email at Andrew at InventRight, if you want to talk to me, you can do that. Um, click on Inventions for Sale. See some of our students that have licensed products. That's very motivating. And also click on the free resources page on our website and make sure to check that out if you haven't. Thank you guys. If, you, if nobody's giving me a, it, it looks like everybody give me a thumbs up. We got more thumbs up than people online right now. Um, but if anybody hasn't, if you could do that, would be great. And also click subscribe down below. Um, watch more of our videos and comment. I want to thank you guys and um, take care and keep inventing. See you guys. Bye.